Red Sea.
sometimes, and we've got to remember, Lord, we just want to lean on you. Amen. I want to welcome you to the service uh, this evening. It's good to have all of you here on a lovely Wednesday evening. We're going to open the service uh, in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Lucas if he'll uh, come up, open the service in a word of prayer. We've got quite a few prayer requests. Um, 
We have some folks that are not here tonight, but uh, we want to particularly remember the drums. Uh, They're at home. We want to remember them in prayer. We want to remember our sister uh, Cindy uh, Walters. She's uh, right in the middle of Florida right now. Is there's a little bit of a storm going around her, so we want to remember Sister Cindy in prayer. We want to remember Brother Keith, who's traveling for work. He's in Texas. Remember uh, Brother Mitchell, who's working tonight. We want to continue to remember Sister Carol Henley, uh, Brother uh, David. The Whitlocks are working, so we want to remember them. Uh, Brother Peter and Sister Rachel are away on vacation. Remember them. Uh, we want to remember Brother Joel Johnson uh, in prayer. He needs a touch and his body's not feeling well. We want to continue to remember uh, Brother Ron uh, Spencer. Continue to remember Brother Ron. The Lord continue to heal him. Amen. And uh, touch him in his body. Amen. If you have a need, just make it uplifted by Amen. He is uh, somewhere we can go. Amen. Luke. Let's all bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house, to come and worship you, Lord, to take this brief respite in the middle of the week. Lord, we all have things that we go through, things that we do wrong. Lord, sometimes we don't call on you like we need to. And that gets us into trouble, and I'm guilty of that too. But Lord, it's, it's so good to have this time in the middle of the week just to bring our hearts back in alignment with you. That, that means so much to me. Lord, I pray for these prayer requests. Lord, I can't remember them all. There are so many. I pray you please go and meet every need, touch every heart. Lord, there are a lot of things going on today that we don't have the answers to. We don't we don't see the plan. We don't know what you're doing. But Lord, I, I thank you for just keeping everything under control and reminding us that you're always there for us, Lord. I thank you so much. Lord, I pray you'd please bless the rest of this worship, the rest of the song service. Please bless Brother Barry and speak to us, move him aside, and just bring us exactly what we need, Lord. I commit this evening and all of us into your hands. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. For he is so willing and able to help you. So bring all.
welcome them to the service. You may have your uh, seats. Um, do we know that song, On the Wings of a Snow White Dove? Do we have that, On the Wings of a Snow White Dove? I was just thinking about that song as I was on my way to work this morning. I was singing that song a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Noah drifted. Amen. I, I really like this song. Um, and then when we're done singing this, Sister Lauren has a song, so she can come up right after we're done singing this. Amen. Well, Noah had drifted on the flood many days. He searched for land in various ways. Troubles he had some, well, but not from above. God gave him his son on the wings of a dove. Amen. Well, on the wings of a snow white dove, God sends his pure, sweet love. A sign from above On the wings of a dove Now Jesus our Savior Came to earth one day He was born in a In a manger of pain, though he rejected, but not from above. Amen. God gave us his sight on the wings of a dove. God sends His pure, sweet love aside from above on the wings of a dove. Though I have suffered in many a way, I cried for healing, oh, both night and day. Faith was forgotten by the Father above. He gave us this sign on the wings of a dove. On the wings of a snow-white dove, God sends His pure, sweet love, a sign from above, on the wings of a dove. 
Sister Lauren comes. On the wings of a snow white dove. Amen. God sends His pure, sweet love. A sign from above. On the wings services. Brother Barry gets ready to come. Let's sing that song. This is your house. It, uh, I enjoyed that uh, prayer uh, for the Luke. 
said thereof. You know, it's nice to come when it feels like the week at three days has already been seven days. You're wondering, on a Wednesday, how has the week felt so long already? Um, it's nice to come and be able to get together with brothers and sisters, amen, and just take a little bit of time, set it to the side, and just say, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm going to be present with you for this little bit of time, and I just want to hear from you. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Amen. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. A holy house. softly if you will I want to bring you a couple of more prayer requests as if we don't have enough we have lots of prayer requests today we want to remember sister Connie Hughes she's not here today she is undergoing uh, several tests and uh, today the doctor called her after she had done a mammogram and told her that they want her to come in possibly for a biopsy she was shaken by that, and I told her that we would remember her in prayer tonight. Sister Amber McCall is not here tonight, and she was at her own house today and fell. After neck surgery, a fall is not a good thing. She's in back in the hospital again now, 
and they're undergoing tests there to see what's, uh, what's happened. We want to remember Sister Greg. Sister Greg has had developing memory issues now for a while. She's in a memory facility. And uh, I talked to her today on the phone, and uh, she was very, very glad uh, for the conversation, for the call. Um, it's been a very, very difficult and trying situation with the drums. And um, difficult because whenever a family goes through that, there's choices and decisions that need to be made that are not always easy. Sister Greg would love to hear from you. So if you have an opportunity, you can't go see her. I can't go see her. Uh, but you can call her, and she has her own phone. And I will give you that number if you want to uh, have it. Just let me know, and I'll be glad to send you that number. Or Sister Frida can give you that number. But uh, she does not um, fully understand where she is. But uh, I told her today that we would be praying that uh, God would bless her and give her the strength and the healing that she needs. We also want to remember Brother Jaron tonight is not feeling well and trust that the Lord will bless him. Oh, and by the way, Sister Cindy is sort of in the middle of a hurricane tonight. And uh, uh, I texted her and I said, uh, the pictures I'm looking at are not real good. And she said, oh, the waters are going down. She said, it's, it's looking better all the time. The waters are going down. Only Sister Cindy shows up just in time to be in the middle of a hurricane. We appreciate Sister Cindy for her care for Sister Carol. Uh, she was there until uh, Monday morning, uh, Monday afternoon, and then left, made a whole bunch of meals for her, did all kinds of things, arranged rides to the doctors and everything else, and then went to Florida. So we appreciate her care for Sister Carol. We have some unspoken requests today, and just ask that the Lord will uh, be mindful and give each involved the wisdom that we need in order to make good decisions, because our decisions matter these days. Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight, and we are so grateful that we can sense your presence and know that when we, when we send a petition your way, that, Lord, you actually do hear us, and you are concerned about everything we go through. What matters is that we know you've got it. You've got the request. You've got it at your feet, and, Lord, we believe that you have an answer. Whenever you bring that answer, that's good for us. Whatever you do, that's good for us. Because we have learned over time to love your will, not ours. But Lord, we need help sometimes in just adjusting to the rapid pace of change that we're all experiencing in this world. It's falling apart. And Lord, we pray now that your grace and mercy be extended to these, especially these special needs that we've mentioned tonight, Lord. Every need is important, but sometimes, Lord, things are serious, and they just require that supernatural presence to come on the scene, and we believe, Lord, that's possible. We pray, Lord, tonight for our families and our loved ones. We thank you for allowing us to keep our church doors open, Lord, to be able to worship you in spirit, in truth, and in person. We thank you, Lord, for this little oasis tonight, as has already been prayed. And we ask, Lord, that you would just be gracious in opening the word to our hearts. We love you. We thank you. And I want to say, Lord, just a special mention that you would touch my wife tonight and just give her that little touch of strength and peace that she needs. We commit our time into your hands now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And all the brides said, Amen. Proverbs chapter 12. I'd like to read just one verse there tonight. 
This is a strange and unusual title. It's called Our Default. Not our fault, but our default. We appreciate all of you being here tonight. We know that Wednesday night is not always an easy night to navigate through the schedule and be here, but we're glad uh, you're here tonight. And there's a family over here. Uh, okay, uh, the Harwells. Yeah, good to have the Harwells here tonight. Proverbs 12, verse 19. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated tonight. Now I'm going to jump right in because I want to be concise here tonight in dealing with this. And I, I was... Uh, pondering on this subject for a little while. Uh, but I want to show you something first. Uh, nobody's seen this yet except me and Brother Anwar. And I was so excited last night. Never had time to forward it on today. But I was so excited to see this last night. This is the cover of the Seven Church Age book in Urdu. It's backwards. I know, because that's the way they print stuff. And they read from the back to the front, and it's all upside down and so forth. But Brother Anwar did this cover himself based on a model that I sent him, a pattern that I sent him. And it's all translated. It's on its way from Pakistan. It takes a little while. But it's on its way from Pakistan. And uh, once I get the PDF, where, and this is okay, we're able to send it off uh, for printing. They are so excited. Yeah, the people in Pakistan are so excited. And uh, this is uh, just going to be a real blessing to them because they have not had the Church Age book uh, for years and years and years. They've had some sim- single sermons that we have helped print. I've showed you some of those years ago. But this is uh, the, the first major book that they've had in their country, and they're just really excited uh, to be able to have that. So uh, I just wanted to show you that. You're the first people to see that, and uh, since it's just us, uh, I thought it would be really nice for you to see that. I get excited about this. I mean, I just, uh, that's just, I just think it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful cause. I, I do. I just think that it is. All right. Let's talk about our default. Now, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm going to define this and give you examples. That's all we're going to do tonight. I just want you to have examples of what I mean when I talk about our default. I'm going to give you this statement first, and then I'll give you the definition. Brother Branham said, all true prophets, all true Christians, all true believers. So that's us. Stay with that word. No matter what anybody says, stay right with that word. It's not the word plus. It's the word. It's not the word and what I feel about it or what I think about it. It's the word. It's the word only. And all true believers, all prophets, and all Christians stay with the word. The thing that's going to define you and the thing that's going to help you most to the end is your ability to stay with that word. If I could do it, I would. But I will tell you something. It's going to take the keeping power of the Holy Spirit to keep us straight on the word. And I pray that God does that to every one of us. Brother John, good to have you with us tonight. Been a little while, and uh, good to have you here tonight all feeling better. Let's look at default. In a, uh, in a technical sense, a default 
is a pre-selected option adopted by a computer program or some other mechanism when no other alternative is specified by the user or the programmer. So, for instance, uh, when you open up a new machine, you get a new computer and you turn it on, it's got a, uh, a desktop image right there, doesn't it? It's got one already picked. It is a default desktop. It's a default image. Now, you can change that, but if you don't, somebody pre-selected that and did that as your default desktop image. It is when nothing else is chosen, when nothing else is specified by the user, which is you, or by the programmers, the guy who designed it all, uh, that background uh, becomes what we say the default background. It is the one that's already there. Okay? Now, I need you just to keep that. This is Webster's definition, and I, I, I use that because I just wanted you to get that in your mind in a simple way. So it's something that's pre-selected. Now, I want to say this just so you understand where I'm going tonight. We came into this message, most of us, with some predefined ideas. Pre-selected, if you like. I mean, a lot of us carry ideas from our former church, from the former ministers that we're under, or things that you always assumed. Have any of you ever thought that something all your life, practically, all your life, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, and when you go back and you do a little bit of research, you realize, ha, it really wasn't that way. But in my mind, I kind of held on to that image or held on to that idea because it, you know, somehow or another uh, that was dropped in there or described, and so we hang on to it and we think that that's, that's actually the way it is. And we can have... Um, Pre-selected ideas, and we can have, if you like, uh, ideas that are resident in our thinking and, and beliefs that we have in our repertoire. And when no other alternative is specified, then we hang on to those, and they become the things that we use for a long time. I want you to know something very, uh, very clearly, and that is this, is that the Holy Spirit is interested in making sure that anything you hold on to by default is correct according to the word, and not some wrong idea. All right? The Holy Spirit is interested in uncovering all your default ideas and making sure that they either thrown away or they're adjusted or approved as long as they're according to the Word of God. Remember this quote that I just read? Brother Branham says, All true prophets, all true Christians, all true believers, stay with thee. Not the default, but the Word. It's not what you've always believed. It's not what we've always thought. It's not how we uh, passionately feel about something. All true believers stay with the word. Okay? Are we all right? Okay. Brother Branham said in 1965, Dear God, humbly we accept Jesus. We accept all of his words. Fill us, Lord, with thy Holy Spirit, that our life just automatically would bear the fruit. That our life would automatically bear the fruit. Grant it, Lord. Now... I want to I want to give you uh, just a couple of uh, statements here, just at the beginning, just to give you an example. And the reason I'm giving this quote is because I couldn't find a picture uh, that I wanted to show you of when I showed up in Pakistan the last time I was there with Brother Anwar. He was still living in Pakistan when I was there, and because I was preaching at a church 
The automatic rule in Pakistan at that time, because there was such hostility towards Christians, Christians make up only 3.2% of the population, and because there's an overwhelming majority of people that hate Christianity, the government automatically assigns a soldier to you, or more than one, to protect you while you are in the country. And so I had a guy who accompanied me the whole time I was there that had bullets all across his chest like this and had a big, just a real, some of you would be really envious of the size of the gun that he had. And uh, he rode with us everywhere. He was just like a part of the furniture. And I had my picture taken with him several times. And there was one time we were actually uh, quite uh, thankful that he was there because we ran into trouble and stepped into a funeral and, and so forth. Brother Branham had that experience many times, and he said, in uh, talking about South Africa, he said, I had planned so hard on coming back to South Africa. It was a burden in his heart, and, you know, this is quite a, a story with Brother Branham about South Africa. And he said, I just returned from Africa, and when I got there, I had a restricted visa, and it wouldn't let me preach there because uh, it gathers too many people. So huge gatherings accompanied his uh, trips in, into South Africa. And they're expecting an uprise there at any time. And they wouldn't let me preach because of that gathering of too many people together. Now, you remember in India, for instance, Brother Random had so many people there. And they were trying to uh, get little portions of his clothes that he had to be shuffled out through a tunnel and, uh, you know, came out of the meetings and, in that case, it was not an uprising, but uh, in this case in South Africa, there was insurrection that was going on and lots of hostility, and there still is, between the different classes of people and the different races of people in South Africa. Yet the only way I could, the only way I could get in there was to have some organization that's represented in the government to invite me over that would automatically let the government send out a militia for protection. It's not a question. It's just that's the default uh, rule. That's the way it's going to be, that when you arrive on the on the soil of South Africa, there's going to be a military unit assigned to you, and they're going to accompany you all the time that you're there to keep you alive. And so these are the kinds of things that Brother Branham had to face, like I did, and uh, other ministers who travel in different countries, because that's just the way it is. We know you need protection, so the default rule is this is what's going to happen. Okay, so he doesn't get a vote on that. That's just the way it's going to be. Now, Brother Branham uh, says uh, in Sirs, we would see Jesus anywhere. I know this is a little different, but I need you to hang on. There's lots of things that are happening in the world that I wanted to talk about. Uh, for instance, the things that are happening in the Middle East and Bahrain and uh, UAE and, and different agreements that are being made. They're very important, and I don't want to just uh, gloss over them. So hold on. Uh, we're watching those events in the Middle East uh, take, uh, as they unfold because that's very significant for us. In 1963, Brother Branham says, any word that God says, it can never be changed. And that's the reason I believe the Bible, just the way it's written. How many would agree? It can never be changed. We don't find nothing better. God cannot. He's infinite. We are finite. We make mistakes. Tomorrow we know more than we knew today. But not God. He's eternal and infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. How many have believed something and found out you were wrong in your belief, even though you strongly held it, and maybe even defended it, but then you found the Word of God through revelation, changed that, and gave you an upgraded understanding. Every one of us, right? I think every one of us, because we never knew anything. We never knew everything coming into the faith for sure. Let's just deal with our text for a minute here. The lips of truth shall be established forever, or the lip of truth. That lip is a dual Hebrew word. It has two meanings. And um, uh, without going into a great deal of detail, it, is, it, it stands for this. Th that's po a portion of what it stands for, the lip. 
But it has a deeper and more significant meaning in the Hebrew language. For instance, when Moses was calling for the plagues in Exodus chapter 7, God said to him, Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning, and lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's lip, the brink. I want you to stand right there. God's very specific, and he told Moses where to stand. He said, Stand right there by the river's brink against he come. And the rod which is turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. I want you to stand right here. Now, the, the symbol is simply this, that a river bank is a division, just like a river can be a division between two lands. And I want you to stand on the edge of that brink of the river because I want you to say to Pharaoh in, in this symbol that there is a limit to how much you can say and do. There is a boundary. There's a barrier. There's only so much that you're going to be able to do. And once you cross that barrier, there's going to be trouble. And so I want you, Moses, to stand on the brink of the river right there and let Pharaoh know that there's only so far he can push God. There's only so far he can push God's people. There's only so long that he can hold up God's program. There is a limit to that. Moses, I want you to stand right there on the brink. And whether he gets the symbol or not, that's the Hebrew word that's used there. I want you to stand on that line, if you like, and let Pharaoh see that there is only so far he can go. We find in Deuteronomy 23, that which has gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform, like a vow. He says, whatever has gone out of your lips. Now, we can take something that we're thinking about, we can mull it around in here, we can mull it around in our heart, we can sometimes, you know, you have a gut feeling. Hey, it's all right as long as it's inside. But once it crosses the line of your lips, it's gone. How many of you have ever tried to reach out and get those words that came out? You don't need to raise your hand because I know you're all guilty. And if not, you just told a lie. Every one of us would love to have those words back. While they're inside, not a problem. Let me say this, that whenever something happens in your life, you're never judged until you respond. When you respond, that's what you're going to answer for. But when somebody wrongly accuses you or somebody says something about you or somebody, you know, in some way insults you or something, you're not in any trouble at all until you respond. Therefore, your responses are important. That's when you want to uh, make sure that the character of Christ shines through because some responses require great patience. They require great grace. They require forgiveness. They require mercy. Even sometimes when you're not at fault, you had to be very patient and careful in your responses. Isn't that right? Because sometimes what you say in the heat of a moment will be something that lasts for a long, long time. It'll impress people. And remember, it's all right when you're thinking about it. And it's all right when it's turning over in your heart. It's all right when it's, when it's you know, in the pit of your stomach. But it's when you say it and you cross over the lips. And that's what he says right here. That which has gone out of thy lips shalt thou keep and perform. Because theoretically, you can't take it back. So it would be wrong for someone to say, uh, would you be my wife? Would you marry me? And you give this girl a ring and so forth. And then, you, you know, she says, yes, you know, wilt thou? And she wilts. And, you know, everything is all settled. And then he finds a prettier girl and runs off and, and makes the same proposal to her and says, well, I didn't really mean it with this girl over here. Hey, too late, buddy. It's gone out of your lips. Right? So this idea of a boundary or a, uh, a, a uh, you know, an established, established thing is what Solomon is getting at here when he says the lip of truth shall be established forever. 
So God's truth is established. And you know what? You can't cross over that with your own idea and hang on to that. Let me tell you, God's got an absolute. God's got a truth. God's got his way of saying things. And he knows exactly what he means. And he does not want you or me to play with it. Now, that's very easy for us to say. It's nice and so forth. If you don't mind, let me give you a couple of examples. All right? I'm going to give you at least three, uh, Lord willing, here. Number one. Brother Branham talked about this fairly often, and uh, you'll find it in a couple of different sermons. And he mentions it really in the latter part of his ministry because this is when it really dawns on him that he was hanging on to something by default, and it was clearly wrong. And what was really neat about this story is that God came, I mean, the Holy Spirit himself came and gave him the right answer, the right interpretation. Here's what he says in the fifth seal. And I always thought, if I meet Brother Neville... On the other side, beyond the curtain of time, in heaven. If I meet Brother Neville, he'd be a little white cloud moving around. And I'd say, hello, Brother Neville. And he'd say, hello, Brother Branham, by some other sense, because he couldn't talk. But I just know that it was Brother Neville. And I want to shake his hand like I always do, because that's all I know is human beings. I mean, how can clouds shake hands, right? I thought, my, I hope I don't have to go through that. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I was afraid to die. Not afraid I'd be lost, but I didn't want to be a spirit forever. I wanted to just remain a man. I wanted to wait for the rapture. I just wanted to stay like that. I didn't want to be no spirit, go around like a puff of wind. He's being real honest. Look, folks, he's in the fifth seal. And he's telling us here, by default, he believed that if he died, he would be like a little cloud. You know where he got that? Anybody know where he got that idea? What? His mother taught him that. And Brother Branham hung on to that all of, his li- all of his life. And he's telling us here in the fifth seal. Now, I think he's discovered it before then. But he, this, is, this is something that he, it's, it's like a, it's something that he's got as a child. And it's there, never been corrected. He hung on to it. It was the default understanding. Being actually afraid to die. And he wanted to wait and live until he got to the rapture. Here's the Bible verse. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. How many know that that applies to the human, to the body we'll have in glory? Right? Guess what? This was written long before Brother Bram's mother was even alive. Brother Bram's mother has the verse. Brother Bram's grandmother has the verse. And Brother Branham has the same verse in his Bible. But he's got a different understanding of it by default. Are we okay? You see, you see what, kind of what I'm getting at here? Now, watch what happens here. God's only provided a place of worship. And Brother Branham says he's talking about the same thing. And he says, it helped me. Because I used to have an idea when a person died, just their soul went off. But when he, capital H, when he quoted that to me, that if this earthly tabernacle of our habitation We already have one, a body already made. This is the verse that the angel quoted to Brother Branham. And we have to have everything in threes to make a perfection. In other words, he's saying, I know that's God's word because it matches everything else. And there's one body here and that body there, which is the celestial body. So we have a human body. We have a celestial body, a theophany, and then the glorified body in the resurrection. And that makes it complete. It's not a myth, not an idea, not a spirit. It's a man and a woman, just like you are, just exactly. So by default, he's believing something. It's not correct. But the Holy Spirit came to him and corrected him and gave him the right verse and the right understanding of that verse. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit cares enough about his understanding 
that he corrected him. Let me tell you something. As an adopted son or daughter of God, he's interested in doing exactly the same thing to you and I. He does not want us to hang on to default ideas when they're incorrect. He's not only the teacher, he's the corrector of the false teaching. Now, let me give you another example. Holiness. And, and here's Brother Branham. Uh, he says in Israel in the church, 1953. Now, I've got to explain this a little bit, so uh, bear with me here. And if a man's born of the Spirit of God, it's automatically he lives the life. Automatically he lives the life. By default, we assume, all right, if somebody's got the Holy Ghost, they're going to live a life that's reflective of the Holy Spirit, no mistakes, no problems, no sins, no temptations, nothing at all, and uh, everything is just going to be great. It's an automatic process. Until you make the first mistake. And then it throws you into a real flap and say, wow, maybe I don't have it. By default, if we stop there, we would assume that once I'm born again, my problems are over. I'm just a pre-programmed uh, person living in a human body. I'm just going to go through life without making any mistakes whatsoever. That's not right. Drinking, smoking, gambling, swearing, that's not sin. It's the attributes of sin. It's because you're a sinner the reason those things come forth. But if you're a believer, those things can't come forth because bitter and sweet water can't come from the same fountain. Watch what he's saying. A cockleburr could. A corn of wheat couldn't bear cockleburrs because the nature of it is wheat. It's got to produce what it is. If it's the Holy Spirit on the inside, it produces the life of Christ. How many believe that? I sure do. I absolutely do. So every seed will bring forth of its kind. I believe this, that I have the life of Christ in me. I believe that with all my heart. I believe being born again, I have the life of Christ in me. But you know what? That life lives in a sinful body. That life lives in the body that was, that was made by the natural biological process between my father and my mother. And I still live in a body that's not born again. Does Satan tempt us in the flesh and in the mind? Uh, let me ask it again. Does Satan tempt us in the flesh and in our spirit or in our mind? Does he do that? Absolutely. Brother Branham, you say, Brother Branham, other Christians don't smoke. Why can't I smoke? He said, you might have a right to smoke as an American citizen, but you have not the right to do it as a Christian. Because it's a stumbling block in the other person's way, and you shouldn't do it and lay a stumbling block. Nothing we do should lay a stumbling block in front of somebody else. Whether it's your conduct, whether it's your post, whether it's your online activity, whether it's your behavior at work or whatever else, nothing we do should be a stumbling block for anyone else. As a matter of fact, we are supposed to be an example of the kingdom. Isn't that right? An example of the kingdom. And uh, I, I uh, uh, let me let me read on. And all these other things he said. And your dressing say, well, you say, well, the rest of the women they dress like this, and other girls, why can't I do it? I know it's your American right. The law don't say I can't do it. I know that. It don't say hardly anything you can do, anything you want to, just about anything. Uh, today, now that was 1956. Today, I mean, you're kind of 
chastised if you don't do the, the bizarre or the odd or the unusual, right? I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, you know how it is. But brother, he, it's not in the Christian's heart to do that. If you'll purpose in your heart that you'll live clean and pure before God, nature itself will tell you that those things are wrong. Nature itself will tell you those things are wrong. I mean, you know, homosexual marriage, gay marriage, I mean, it's, nature itself would tell you that it's, it's, not, it's, it's not normal. It's not natural. Nature itself would tell you that. I mean, you don't even need to read the Bible, but nature itself will tell you that. So what Brother Branham is telling us is something very important here, is that every seed brings forth of its kind. And if you're born as a seed of God, born by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, it's only going to bring forth one thing, just like a watermelon seed can only bring forth one thing. Right? And corn can only bring forth one thing. That's the way it is. When there's something else there, very often it's our choice that has allowed something in to maybe, uh, you know, take root or to be able to express itself. You know, we give in to temptations. There's pressures. There's all kinds of things. Hey, listen, I, I don't feel uh, hesitant about saying those things because I could show you a couple of hundred quotations here where Brother Bram's asking forgiveness for things that he thought or did or said. And we could go back in Scripture and show the same thing. We, we, are, we are trapped in human bodies, right? And we are subject to influence. We're subject to temptation. We're subject to all kinds of things that are out there. But let me tell you something. If you have eternal life, Satan can never get that. If you have eternal life and you're a son or a daughter of God, nobody can take that away from you because nobody gave it to you. It is, it is absolutely an expression of the offspring of God. You're an expression of the offspring of God. Uh, and, and as a child of God, if you have eternal life, it never did begin and it can never end. And so, therefore, we are children of God throughout eternity. But in this life, do we make mistakes? Young people, do we get associated with the wrong person sometimes or the wrong people sometimes? Do we get caught up in the wrong kind of online game or, uh, you know, reading the wrong kinds of things or watching the wrong kinds of things or clicking through on things that we shouldn't do? Every one of us should be guilty of those things. Every one of us should be guilty of uh, maybe losing our temper or... Uh, you know, falling uh, subject to things that happen around us in frustration. I was saying to somebody today, I, I, you know, if, if, uh, if pressure is required, pressurization is required for the rapture, in other words, we've got to be pressured to go to a different atmosphere, right, like divers had to be pressurized in order to go down, or if you're a fish, you know, and all the rest of it. If pressurization is required for the rapture, I'm ready. I've never seen more problems. I've never seen more, more trouble or more difficulty and more things that go on. My phone just rings constantly. And not just, not just things that happen here, and that's kind of natural and normal, but, you know, different things in different parts of the world. And, you know, this is going on and that's happening here. What do we do with this? And what do we do with that? And, you know, it, it's just a constant thing. We're living in a world that's falling apart, right? And we as human beings, we're subject to the pressures that everybody else feels out there. But through it all, God is trying to prepare you for somewhere else he's not just he's not just delighting and giving everybody in the world trouble here that's not the idea god is actually molding you and shaping you and preparing you for another place that requires something to be brought out of you that ordinary times would not produce so you don't have to go through the door of death but you got to be ready prior to the time of the rapture or the time of the change of our body to be ready for that kingdom over there and this is that preparation and it's ongoing how many would believe it's ongoing 
So therefore, Brother Branham is letting us know very carefully that, you know, there is, uh, you should not fall into the trap of thinking, well, hey, I go to HBT and Brother Barry is my pastor and I'm, you know what, I'm automatically a believer. No, you're not. It requires an encounter with God. It requires a new birth. It requires feeding and watering that seed of God. It requires a dedication. It requires, on your part, the, the, the discipline that's involved in making right choices. Because everything in your life is not automatically right. Everything in your life is not automatically right. Because Satan is there constantly trying to pull you one way or the other. Trying to pull you away from what is right. And trying to discourage you and trying to thwart you and and trying to hinder your progress. And trying to tantalize you this way and that way. Get you involved with the wrong person. And and trying to frustrate you and trying to make you a nervous wreck over this or something else. That's what he constantly does. And so sometimes the choices that we make, we may have to make them under duress. And let me tell you, there, there's, there's consequences to our choices. Like I said on Sunday, when a little boat passes through the water, it makes a wake. When a big boat passes through the water, it's a bigger wake. The bigger the boat, the bigger the wake. So when, you know, like when I, when I make a decision about something in my, in my town, you know, like I'm going to invest $100 into an account, you know, that's, that's a little wake. When the President of the United States says something, uh, and he says we're going to, uh, you know, support this, or we're going to withdraw funds from this, or something else, that creates a much bigger wake. Because he's a bigger boat than I am, right? Or we put it in, in these terms right here, no offense. But if Lincolnton over here uh, made a decision, you know, that uh, he was going to have a tattoo on his upper arm. You don't, do you? Okay. But if he was going to tattoo and we found out about it, we'd say, oh. But if I came to church and, you know, had a song, had a, you know, had a moment and my tattoo showed, you'd be like, whoa. That's a bigger wake. Right? The bigger you are, the bigger the wake. So our, our choices have consequences. And Satan, under the pressure of the times, is constantly trying to get us to make the wrong decisions here because choices matter. Now, Brother Branham says, in Identified Christ of All Ages, 1964, tremendous message. He says, now watch Joseph. The Old Testament, this is the Old Testament, Genesis, Joseph. He said he just portrayed the life of Christ almost perfect, but he made a mistake. To show that it wasn't him, capital H, it wasn't Christ himself or a foreshadow of Christ like Melchizedek. Man made mistakes. Man make mistakes. He told his father, which was a prophet, Jacob, everybody with me? You tell Pharaoh, when you go in to see Pharaoh, you tell Pharaoh that we are herdsmen because a shepherd is an abomination to Egypt. When you live in a country that's mostly desert and there's only a little bit of grass, shepherds are not always the most favored people in the economy. Right? Let me say it again. When you live in an arid climate and there's no grass, or very, very little grass, shepherds are not exactly the most popular people in the neighborhood. Right? Are we Okay. So Joseph says, in order to stay in favor with Pharaoh, Dad, when you go in, don't be yourself. Just say that you're, you're not a shepherd. Just say that you're an agricultural specialist or something. 
You tell Pharaoh that we're herdsmen. That you tell Pharaoh that we're herdsmen because a shepherd is not an abomination here. But the father, when Jacob went in, being a, being a prophet, the spirit wouldn't let him do it. He said, you, we are your servants, the shepherds. So you see, Joseph there was making a mistake. In other words, he was trying to hide the, the real thing of what they were. But Joseph, being a prophet, would not do that because he was led by the spirit. Because this is true. All true prophets, all true Christians, all true believers stay with the word. Are we okay? And that's a good example of what actually happened there. So you watch Joseph, and he portrayed the life of Christ almost perfect. Next paragraph. David, the great man, he also made a mistake. And so on. He goes on, he d- describes David here. Oh, you say, Brother Barry, these are Old Testament. And so they never had the Holy Spirit. Okay. Questions and answers, 1961. Is it possible for a Holy Ghost-filled person to be driven or influenced to do minor things that he doesn't want to do? Guess what? This is New Testament. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, Holy Ghost-filled person, you're in the right place then to be driven by those things. You just put yourself up a target. And when you're down there serving the devil, he just lets you slouch around any way you want to. But you once take a stand for Christ... You got on the other side then, and he trains every gun right around you, every temptation, everything that could be thrown at you. He says, then you got it. He says, right, the trouble's right there. But what have you got? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Can you make mistakes? Yes. Are you tempted? Yes. Are there trials? Yes. Do you run short on patience? Absolutely. Things don't always operate the way we want them to operate. Things don't always operate by the book. Things don't always operate just exactly the way. You know, you listen to Brother Branham talk about, well, I decided this and I went here and I did this, you know, and God blessed and multiplied this. And, uh, you know, you look in the book of Acts and they were, you know, in a revival. God picks them up and moves them somewhere else. And it just seems like God has such free and easy access to those believers up there. And, and you, for you, a lot of you are sitting there saying, I can't even get my kids to pick up their toys in their bedroom. Are, do Christians make mistakes? Absolutely. Because now, not only do you have, uh, you know, the physical issues to deal with, just like everybody else in the world, but you also have the spiritual darkness that exists in an, in an element, in a dimension you can't see, and it pressures the believers all the time to do something contrary to God's Word. Satan cannot take away your eternal life, but he can take away your peace. Satan cannot take away your eternal life. Somebody say amen. But he can take away your joy. Satan can not take away your eternality, but he can cause you to think carnally. Brother Bram says a sheep has wool. That's the only thing it has, the only thing it produces. And it can't manufacture that wool. And we're not asked to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit, but to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And when you're a Christian, you'll cope with the Word. I don't care what anybody else says. You don't have to work up nothing, bring down nothing, or pull or pump up. You're a Christian. And we just automatically bear the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because every seed brings forth of its kind. And so as we grow in Christ, we learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit and let Him fulfill and accomplish and bring out the characteristics of Christ that God placed in that seed in the very first place. But that does not do away with what we read in questions and answers there where Brother Branham was asked, well, you know, can a Christian be tempted and tried and so forth? Yes, we absolutely can. And, and Satan is there to do that constantly. 
And I, I, think, I think it's probably, uh, probably on the increase. I'd say it's probably on the increase. Now, <clears throat> one more little statement here on this subject here. We lost our heritage because we compromised. Brother Bram was talking about as, as a nation. And when we compromise, we cannot expect God to keep his promise to us. Because we have broken the sacred trust and defiled the trust that God gave to us. For instance, in our nation, we used to say very readily, in God we trust. And things are a little bit different. Let us keep that trust. Keep it sacred. Keep it holy. Keep every word of God. Compromise nowhere. And take God at his word and believe it and act like it and stand on it and don't move. That's what we must do. That's what God's looking for. God's looking for, in terms of a default, God's looking for you to keep the word first, to keep him first. Is that all right? That's a correct default. That's a correct thing. So when something comes up in, in our life, or something comes up in our national life, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to find the answer. Like, you know, sometimes in the Old Testament, when we read about those kings back there, and, uh, you know, the Bible says that they heard, got word that, uh, you know, the Philistines were on the march and they were coming up to their borders and so on. And the, it, the, the Bible says that the king went to the temple and summoned all the people and they got there and they immediately began to petition God because that comes first. Yes, we have weapons. Yes, we have limited defense. But you know what we got to do? we got to bring this to God first. And I think that's a great thing. So rather than throw science at it, rather than throw money at it, rather than throw an election at it, we're going we're gonna to go to God first and we're going to beseech his, his favor and his leading in order to know how to deal with this and let the other things fall into place. Because the Jesus said to us, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added unto it. Isn't that right? It's very simple, but I find it that to be the right thing. And here's Brother Branham. He's telling us that continually uh, throughout all of his ministry. And I said this morning, it behooveth us that we fulfill all righteousness. It's up to us whom the word's been delivered to. It's up to us that we stay with that word. So the word then becomes the default, doesn't it? It's not what we think. It's not what our opinion is. It's what the Word actually says. And as we stay with it, we see God working among us. As we stay with it, so it's becoming to us to stay with it. It's a heritage that God has given to us. Hey, listen, we as the bride of Christ, we as the people of God that we claim to be, we are a people who, uh, we have a great heritage and God has given us a great understanding of the Word of God above many others in this time, right? God's given us an understanding of truth that's been hidden through the ages and revealed it to the bride of Christ in this last day. My goodness, we are truly a blessed people. But you know what? God just doesn't give it and say, all right, listen, just if you don't mind, just show up at church twice a week and uh, you'll be all right, you'll be there. No, he says it's up to us that we stay with the word. And as we stay with it, we see God working among us. Because, you know, God wants to do even more than what he's doing among us now. And God wants to do more in your life than what he's even doing now. Your spiritual growth is at the top of his priority list. I said your spiritual growth is very important to God. And it's, it's a top priority with Him. He wants to bring you to the place where He can just flip the switch and you walk from this dimension into that other one and you bypass death altogether. You gotta be ready to do that. That's gonna happen not because, uh, you know, you're found in the right church pew. It's gonna be happen because it's up to us to keep the word that's been delivered to us. Let's do another example. 
just for fun. This has to do with the subject of voting, and I was asked about this, and I, I, I got caught up in this whole idea. But let's just, let's just say this, and I probably will be persecuted and uh, misunderstood for making the following statements that I'm going to make. That woke everybody up. And, but I will say this. I'm not as concerned about that as long as I'm giving to you what I believe is the full counsel of God. But there are certain things that, uh, when I, I, I know when I came into the message years and years ago, it's been a lot of years now since I came in the message, and uh, there were certain things that were kind of uh, taboo. They were not talked about. If any of you have ever seen the yellow book, it's called the Golden Nuggets book. And it was, the, I think, the very first book of quotes that came out done by a couple of brothers in the south. and uh, We're in the north of the south, but in the south-south. And it was put together by them. And uh, that was the only quote book that we had for a long, long time before anything was computerized. I remember actually having the message before computers. I remember and, uh, you know, we had books, and, and we would lo- read the books. And uh, part of the problem was is that the books were never published in order. They, were, they never started at 65 and went down or started at 47 and went up. Uh, they were just kind of randomly published. And so you could, you know, get what you could back then. And then there was an index put out by David Mamlis, and then there was some different quote collections that were put out. The Golden Nuggets was one of the first, and it was a uh, kind of a, comprehensive look at certain subjects. So tithing was in there and a few other things, you know. And then they had Christmas in there. And what was interesting is that uh, the, the, the way that it was published is that uh, anything that spoke anything favorable about Christmas was taken out. It, those quotes were omitted. Or some of the quotes that had a portion of things that were... Um, you know, dealt with idolatry and that kind of thing. They were left in there. But if there was anything in that quote that also was positive, that was taken out. So without a computer, you've got to go back and listen to the reel-to-reel tape and, and read the book along to figure out what's been taken out. And then you realize, whoa, it's not all here. So the problem with that is, number one, <laughs> it's flat-out wrong. And two, Brother Branham told us never to do that. And number three, you don't get the whole counsel. You're never going to come to a balanced position unless you have the whole counsel of God, right? So, thankfully, now we have the ability to look at everything that's been said, everything that's been input, we're able to look at it and we're able to study it and say, oh, okay, he said this, and you know what? But he also said this over here. And that's really, I mean, for me, that's bread and butter. I do that every day looking at things and making sure that what I present to you is balanced. I try to do that. I really work hard. If I earn my money any, well, no, I can't say that. But I work really hard at doing that and because <laughs> that's not really the hardest thing. But it is something that I do constantly. Now, let me say this. In, in giving you the couple of statements and screens I'm going to give you here, I am not endorsing anyone even though we're on the even of an election. I would not do that and use the pulpit to do that. I would not want anyone else to do that here. Secondly, secondly, this is entirely your choice, all right? And it, it's entirely up to you what you want to do in terms of an election and so forth. Uh, our country is unique in the way that things are structured. I just want to share this with you because the default idea about this is that politics are evil. 
it's all of the devil, so therefore we're not going to do anything. You're not going to have any, anything to do with it. That's the, the default idea. Okay? You've all heard that. Well, let's look at some things we can agree with. Is that all right? Because I agree with the Bible. I agree with the message. All right. Here's Brother Random, thirsting for life. Watch what he says. That's a trouble today. We've got too many weak pulpits that are afraid to preach an eternal burning hell and warn the people of the things and letting the church go on as slothful and sloppy as it can be. And I said, honey, where, where could we start from? Our nation is corrupted. Our politics is as rotten as it can be. Factories and our economics, just as rotten as it can be. Even the car industry. How many would agree? I mean, the whole thing's rotten, right? whole thing is corrupted. I agree with that. Hearing, I'm going to give you some uh, rapid quotes here. Politics, low down, corrupted. Well, they're getting to put soldiers in shorts now. This is 1960. Politics, war, politics is at the end. Dictators are wrong. Politics is wrong. Why didn't they stay with a godly king like David? The great Lord of England, when this democracy was formed, he said, it's all right now, but it'll come to that time. It'll be nothing. It'll be all sails and no anchor. 1961, uncertain sound. I'm an American. I believe in democracy. But all oh, the rotten things that's in democracy, it shows that all these man-made earthly ideas has to give way to a kingdom that's coming. I mean, it's rotten to the core. It is. <clears throat> I, and if I had the time, and I don't, but give me a couple of minutes. In 2008, when we had the financial crisis, I, it, was, it was a very complex thing on how that all happened and based on real estate and the wrongful grading of real estate assets in the world and how banks were involved in that. And then there were some very, very smart people, and I could name them, who were involved at top levels in dealing with that whole idea of misrepresenting real estate assets, which caused the banks to be vulnerable. They knew this was going to collapse. And when they knew it was going to collapse, they jumped out and bought insurance on the things that would collapse, knowing that they would make a windfall of money, knowing it was going to collapse. They were the cause of, partly the cause of the collapse. When they knew it was going down, rather than try to fix it, they jumped out, separated from it, bought insurance on the collapse, and sat back and made money when it eventually fell down. I'm making a very long, complex story short. But in the end of it, there was nobody ever fined or chastised for doing anything wrong because a lot of these people are very big bankrollers for political parties and political entities. It's, it's rotten. It's really, it's really pretty corrupt. Now, Brother Bram's in 1960-61 here, 62 and 63, and he's living in the days of J. Edgar Hoover, right? He's got some pretty corrupt. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa was not exactly a saint. Uh, these people that ran unions and the automaker union and, uh, you know, the, the uh, Teamsters unions and things like that. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, tied in with politicians and all the backroom deals and under-the-table things that went on. And here's, here's a prophet looking at all of that, and he's describing this whole system and, and what, it's, what it's really like. In the world, 
1965, in the world, politics, our world system. And the reason I'm reading these is because I want you to give, I want you to give you the whole picture here. I'm just trying to give you the whole picture. Our world system is just as rotten as it can be. Our world system. But I'm not a politician. I'm a Christian. And I ain't got no business talking about politics. I just want to say that they're rotten on both sides. And then he makes this statement. I voted for, for once. He said, that was for Christ. I got to win. And the devil voted against me. And Christ voted for me. Depends on which way I cast my vote. Now, Brother Bram is repeating a statement that he heard. Now, remember now, salvation or eternal life is not based on our choice, right? It's what God chose for us, right? Are we okay? But he's repeating now a statement that, uh, that was made about this. And so, naturally, we, as, as Christians, we, we choose to serve him and we surrender our life to him and so forth. So, uh, you know, this is, this is good. And I'm glad I cast it on him. Let the world say what they want to. I still believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Stop for a minute. And let me say this. I'm glad that I surrendered my life to Christ. And I'm glad I'm a part of that kingdom. Because we really are citizens of two kingdoms. If you're born again, you're citizens of two kingdoms at the same time. Isn't that right? Aha, I'm a citizen of three. Got you beat on that one. But I will tell you something, that I'm glad I voted that way. I'm glad I, ch- I chose that. I'm glad I'm aligned with that kingdom over there. But you know what? I'm still a citizen of this one here while I'm on the earth, right? But I'm glad I'm a citizen of that kingdom over here. And we know we're living in the end of this whole uh, earthly cycle here for the Gentiles. And after 2,000 years, it's ending, it's winding up here. And there's no salvation for this system. It's all going down. It's in the end of the harvest cycle, right? And what Jesus said, let it alone until the harvest. And we're going to gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And we're going to gather the chaff over here to be burnt. And so this, this, this that we're living in now is all ready for destruction. It's all ready to slide into tribulation and the judgments in the day of God. And all those things are going to happen to that. And we happen to be living on the tail end of all of that in a world that's falling apart. And it's worm-eaten with all kinds of, uh, you know, corruption and different things like that. Uh, I mean, that corruption shows itself just about every day. And then you have this religious... Uh, force that's in there, and and the you know the the Vatican and all the other things, the spiritual things that go on, and the influence that these entities have in the world. I mean, you wouldn't sleep at night if you knew. I don't know near what what takes place. I you know you study and research a little bit, you don't know near what goes on. And and you 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 get a you get a little a little taste. Of this stuff about nations reaching into other nations and affecting their elections and affecting, you know, different things out there. And you hear about that. And so you're, you're kind of, you know, you, you get this, you get this look on your face like, I don't trust anyone. I don't trust anything. It's kind of a, in a sense, it's almost a justified reaction because there's, and then you, you wonder, can I believe the person who's reporting to me that I can't believe anything? It's a tough place to be. Well, here's Brother Branham in 1965. He's warning us that, hey, the whole world system really is not solid. It's going down. But watch what he says. 1963, what shall I do with Jesus called to Christ? The American people voted for Mr. Kennedy for president. But that's the reason that we're a democracy. I didn't vote for Mr. Kennedy. I voted for Mr. Nixon because I knew Mr. Nixon personally. And I liked him, and I voted for him personally because I liked him. 
But the peoples of this country, Americans, my fellow citizens of this nation, elected Mr. Kennedy, and the way that they did it, well, that's a between them and God. And, the, you know, he said, but that's that much. So even though we live in a world that's falling apart, you still, as an American, you have a right. Are we okay? To render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, you have a right to pay taxes. <laughs> you have a right to participate in the, in the political process if you, if you decide to do that. And I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do. I'm here to tell you what's said. Why would Brother Branham do this? Now, I really can't speak for him. I can't put words in his mouth. But let's look at the scripture for a minute. I just want to look at a couple of little passages here. He that being, this is Proverbs 29, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. That's someone who's stubborn, and that without remedy. When a person gets in that stubborn place, it's, it's really hard to correct, really hard to correct him. He said, then they find themselves without remedy. Because who can get through, right? It's the, it's the feeling that God had when, you know, in the days of Noah, when the people wouldn't listen. They would, hey, and, you know, the thoughts of men's hearts are evil continually. God, he didn't offer, uh, you know, any kind of global revival for them anymore. He just gave them one way of escape, get in the ark with Noah, and that's it. But there's nothing really more that God could do. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. If I have an opportunity to put somebody who stands for something that I believe in in a position of authority, personally, I think that's better than putting somebody in there who would take away our freedoms, for instance, to be able to worship together. If some candidate starts talking about euthanasia, you need to let me know. All right? That's not young people in India. That's a problem if you're on the elderly side of things, right? Legalized euthanasia, euthanasia is a big problem in some other nations, not, not so much in America here uh, overall, but it is a problem in some other nations when uh, older people are thought to be dysfunctional and a burden to society. Decisions are made about whether they're worth expending state monies on for medical care and to prolong their life. And you know what? I'd rather that guy wasn't in office making a decision about my future. Are we okay? There are certain things that people stand for that, you know what? If they're going to be in authority, if they beareth rule, it's going to make a difference. I think about my, my sons raising their families. I think about my grandchildren coming up in this world. And I would... As long as we're able to do it, I would rather have them be able to raise their family with, with the ability to make choices, good choices, rather than be forced into something that would be quite contrary to our beliefs. Take away, you know, uh, faith-based health care. Take away the opportunity to homeschool. Take away, you know, freedoms that we have to be able to do that, to be able to worship uh, it without having any attachment to a system of religion. Hey, Listen, uh, the other day in Virginia, during a church service, and I can name the church service, a policeman walked in to check and make sure everybody had conformed inside that church building. 
to make sure everybody was wearing a mask and everybody was conforming to their, and he gave the thumbs up and turned around and walked out. In Norway, I was talking to somebody in Norway the other day, and they were talking about how that in their country they had a bunch of Muslims who had gathered together and they were having worship in a garage of some sort, some sort of a building like that. And uh, as a result of that, there was one of them who was uh, infected with the virus and infected a whole bunch of them. They went out into the community and infected a bunch of others. They made laws then immediately that governed the control of all church activity in the country of Norway. All churches, no matter what faith you were, now have, they have very strict uh, rules that are imposed upon them by the government. And I will tell you something, that there are some governments that are waiting for an opportunity to pounce. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Romans 13, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, but there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained of God... Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. He is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do with evil. Let me take you back to the Old Testament. I'm going to wrap it up here very quickly. Jeremiah chapter 29. The children of Israel are going into captivity, and Jeremiah is speaking to them. He says, Build ye houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters, take wives and your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and, and be not diminished. Listen, stop for a minute. You're going to be there for 70 years. That's God's will. That's God's word. And so that's not going to change. So have families, you know, have weddings, and you know, you're going to, your families are going to grow down there. Have, plant your garden. That's what he's telling them to do because you're going to be there for a while. And verse 7, and seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray unto the Lord for it. Hello? They're in captivity. They're in Babylon. Why? For in in the peace thereof, ye shall have peace. If the city is governed right, if they're they're morally responsible, if they're fit leaders, you know what? That's going to benefit you and your family. You're looking at me like I have ten heads. Look at what it says. Seek the peace of that city whereof I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. This is not the believers in Jerusalem or in Israel. This is believers in captivity. Well, you say, Brother Barry, that's Old Testament. Here you go. Uh, again, you're talking about Old Testament principles. First Timothy chapter 2. I exhort you, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for them that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He's saying, I mean, this is the Apostle Paul, to supplicate, to pray, to intercede, and give thanks for all men, including those that are in rule. Now, It doesn't always turn out that way. 
But you know what? I would rather have, uh, I would rather have in our neighborhood, I would rather have a peaceful neighborhood. I don't know about you. I would rather have, uh, you know, if, if my, my, uh, you know, if my, I have a son who's in university, I, I would rather have that university to be governed correctly and allow them to be able to have choices and so forth and freedom of movement of what they want to study so that they're not told what to study. I'd rather have that than, than not. I'm thankful for that. That's what the scripture says that we should have. I'm thankful for the law and order that we have. Hello? I'm, I'm thankful for the, for the good things that we have living in this country. I've traveled in many, many, many countries in the world, and I, I know what uh, conditions are like in lots of places and where uh, the government is not really interested in the individual people and individual families and for you to be able to pursue the things that you would like to have, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, they're not interested in that at all. That's not in the agenda at all. And I, 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 I want to say this. I'm, I'm thankful to have the freedoms that we have. I'm thankful that we have, uh, you know, the opportunities that we have. So all I'm saying to you is that when, when while we're in this world, and even though we're not in that kingdom, we belong in that kingdom, I believe that whatever I can do to make my environment, my home, my neighborhood, my, my uh, you know, surroundings, I can do whatever I can to make that as best as I possibly can, I think we have a responsibility to do what we can. It's up to you entirely. I mean, one way that someone would express that is to vote. Another way is to, you know, uh, uh, straighten up the front of their house or clean their car out or something. I, you know, something rash, you know, something. But however I could do it, I, I want to I say this. I'm thankful that we've been able to homeschool our boys all through the years and nobody, nobody came to our door and said, hey, what are you doing? You can't be doing that. I'm, I'm glad that we've had that freedom to be able to do that. By default, by default, people have said, oh, no, you shouldn't have anything to do with that. And here's Brother Branham said, well, I knew Mr. Nixon personally, so, you know, I voted for him because I knew him personally. He said he didn't get elected, not in that election, but I knew him. He said, that's why I voted for him. I mean, it's entirely up to you. And, And thankfully, the choices are ours. It wasn't so from the beginning, 1962. Let's have our musicians just slip up here, if you don't mind. Forgive our many weaknesses. Watch what he prays. Watch what he says. Forgive our many weaknesses, Lord. We don't intend to do anything wrong. But through flesh, we do make mistakes daily. Sometimes by default, we believe certain things. And they're not always correct. And we make assumptions and we have beliefs and so forth. And we do things wrong. We don't intend to. It's not our intention. So in order to stay alive in Christ, we have to... Die to our own thoughts. Keep us dead to ourselves and alive in him. Let our bodies be so and our soul be so submissive to him that people will see the reflection of Christ as we go or come or whatever we do. Let's stand to our feet. Whatever we do, let people see the reflection of Christ in us. I'm thankful that we're able to you know, I mean, we still have the freedoms to be able to do this, to be able to get a translator in New York City to translate a book like the Church Age book, send it to Pakistan, get it formatted, send it back to me so I can send it to China to get it printed, to put it on a boat to go to Pakistan. I mean, I think that's pretty good. 
I don't think we'll be able to do this for a long time, you know, forever. I, I certainly don't because, <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll restrict things like that. I, I, I certainly don't think we'll be able to do that forever. But you know what? As long as we've got an opportunity and we've got the resources to do it and the ability to do it, hey, let's get the message out. The message is the thing that's going to help people. The message is the thing that's going to strengthen people and give, you know, rapturing faith and lays in this and lays on these tapes here. And so there's, there's, there's good things that are there. When, as long as we live in, a, in an environment, in an atmosphere where we can do things uh, because of the freedoms that are given to us, I don't think we should just take that for granted. Paul says we should at least be thankful for that. It doesn't hurt for us to be thankful for that. And here's God telling the children of Israel, and you go down to Babylon, he says, and you're in some city, you pray for the peace of that city because the peace that they have is going is to affect you and your neighborhood and your household and what you can do and what you can't do and where you can go and where you can't go. I know, I know that when I first went to Russia, if, if we took the rules that were in place in Russia, I would need a visa to go home tonight. That's the way it was in Russia when I first went there in the 90s. I would have to have a visa to go home because they prevented people from going outside of their county. If you wanted to travel between counties in, a, in an area, you had to have a visa. So if I wanted to go from Virginia or North Carolina to Virginia, I'd have to have a stamp in my passport that gave me the right to travel across state lines. That's how strict they were. And it ain't much better. Let me tell you, if you're a church in Russia today, every time you meet, I remember talking to the believers there. They, they sat in a room. They had birthday cake, and they had a little meal in front of every one of them. They didn't eat it, but they had it in front of them. So when the authorities broke in, they could all be singing happy birthday because they had to pretend that this was a birthday party. If not, they were all hauled off in the jail because that's an illegal gathering to them. And let me tell you something. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. I could, go down to, I could go down the list and tell you about freedoms. And I'm thankful that we have what we have. Nobody here beating down the door and uh, telling us what we can and cannot preach and telling us how often we can assemble. We can decide that and we can do that. I'm thankful for that. And that's what Paul is saying, that we should be thankful. We should pray and intercede that, you know what, Lord, if you don't mind, just let them keep their hands off this. If, if nothing else, just pray, Lord, just let them, let them go on to some other stuff. Deal with Medicare or Social Security or something else. But leave this alone. Leave the churches alone. And just let us worship in, in spirit and in truth and in peace. And, let us do that. and I, I'm thankful that we've had this opportunity to be able to grow. We won't always have it. We know a prophet said we won't. But I, I, I believe that if, if something happens and this is shut down, God will know when and God will know that you're ready in order for that to happen. In the same way he led the children of Israel around the Philistines that time, you know, because they were going to be afraid if they saw war and they'd want to go back. I believe in the same way that God has got a time for everything. I know. What's the first line? Let's sing it together. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm to the fiercest ground and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving sees 
because you're doing something according to the word because they have, may have been taught differently or think differently about something. We have a right to go back to the default, which is the word of God. All Christians, all prophets, all believers believe the word of God. That's us. Let's sing that little, chord, that little song by uh, Ray Bolts. Uh, 
the song we... What? No, no. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Let's sing that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You may vote. You may not. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. I pledge allegiance first to Him, to Christ. He's my King. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I live here. So I want to be the best example of Christianity in this world while I'm here. But He's my Lord. My faith is in Him. Not in this system. My faith is in Him. My hope is in Him. My trust is in Him. Isn't that the way you feel? Let's sing it tonight. We have heard how Christians long ago were bought before a tyrant's throne. They were told that He chorus again now. Oh, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength and with all I am. I will seek to honor His command. I Father, we thank you for this time together tonight, Lord. Father, in no way, in no way should our allegiance ever be misdirected because as believers, you are first our sovereign, you are first our Lord, you are truly our Savior. We thank you for that, Lord. Nothing, nothing ever comes between that reality for us. But as believers, Lord, we live in the world that you chose to place us in. We could have lived in any other age, in any other nation. But you pled, you, you decided, Lord. You predestinated us to be where we are tonight. And Lord, I want to be the best Christian I possibly can to shine a light to a dark world and to be a true reflection of Christ and your character. Not filled up with my own ideas, but Lord, my default should be the Word of God. And I pray that you would instill that in every heart, every Christian's heart, Lord. We thank you for the word given to us so clearly and so real in this last day. And Lord, may you quicken it to every heart. May, Lord, we grow strong, be bold in the faith, unafraid to profess who we really are. 
Father, I just pray that you would minister to the sick, and there are many. I pray that you would lift up the hands of the weak and frustrated, and there are many. pray that you would give strength to our caregivers, and I pray, Lord, that you would give protection to our health care workers. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this place, for everyone that works to make a service happen. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for having a message for us in this last day that has made so many things clear. We just want to say, Lord, we love you and thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And all God's people said, sing this as you go. Now the years have come and the years have gone. But the cause of Jesus still goes on. Now our time has come to count the cost, to reject this world and embrace the cross. So one by one, let us leave our